You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am Derek, one of your two hosts. I've got your other host right here, Ryan. Oh, hi. Hey. I was just uh, finding my way into the podcast. You know, I was down the down the way. Down the way? Ryan, down run into our office. Yeah, it's a long commute. It's a long our podca- commute. Podcast offices. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we, we are the Coming of Cage podcast, your Nicolas Cage movie review podcast. This is episode 36 of the show. We are covering the 2016 film Snowden, which really stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as well as Shaleen Woodley and Zachary Quinto. And of course, Nicolas Cage is in there for a little bit anyway. Uh, (laughs) Six minutes. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to, to Mr. Cage. Um, this movie is directed by Oliver Stone, who brought you the likes of Platoon and Natural Born Killers and Born on the Fourth of July and JFK. So you can kind of sense a trend in the types of movies he likes to provide. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell people how we do this? Yeah, so we watch a movie. Good start. And then we start recording on a computer and then we talk about the movie. It's pretty fun, you know. <laughs> good times the level of detail man is just great what can i say i'm detail oriented for those who jumped in right here this is their first episode they were like snowden i have to know what people think of snowden the movie specifically these two weird guys i need to know yeah no i i take notes throughout (laughs) the movie usually like for funny or weird or uh you know non-basic reasons I, i i like to only notate things that are funny or important to talk about afterwards but this movie didn't offer as many of those things so most of my notes for this one are just like things that happen not necessarily things that need to be discussed in the podcast afterward so apologies in advance this was definitely not a movie that was uh my particular flavor of movie um it's not your cup of tea Correct. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen another Oliver Stone movie, so it's, you know, it's fine. That That's fair. I mean, I've seen Born on the Fourth of July. I've seen Platoon, um, you know, so I've seen some of his stuff. But this movie in particular is about Edward Snowden. Well, it's actually based on a book about Edward Snowden. Uh, the movie, according to IMDb, is the NSA's illegal surveillance techniques are leaked to the public by one of the agency's employees, Edward Snowden, in the form of thousands of classified documents distributed to the press. Right. And this was something that happened in real life. Uh, yes. Like in the last 10 years. 2013, 2013, 2012, 2013. So, yeah, in the last, depending yeah. on when you're listening to this, 10 years. Um, yeah. So it's a pretty modern thing. Kind of weird that like a movie came out three years after it, after it happened, but that you seems know, to be the new the trend though, right like a big thing happens somebody makes a movie about it that's just the way it goes now sometimes those movies are good sometimes they're not sometimes they're mediocre you know that's right uh joseph so. gordon levitt plays snowden edward snowden in the film so he's the title character and nicholas cage plays hank forrester who is one of his teachers slash advisors when he is uh training at the cia so that is nicholas cage's character there uh, Ryan, why don't you kick us off? What is, what's your first your first note? My first note is dramatization, because right at the very first thing they say in this movie is that it's a dramatization of events that happened. And so uh, that, you know, for somebody like me that didn't really follow the Snowden thing happening in real life makes me go, OK, so what in this movie is real and what isn't? Because, you know, it's kind of a when it's based on real things that happened in our lifetimes, something you want to take a side on. Mm-hmm. But if it's a thing that's been, you're watching a movie that's like made for dramatic effect and they've added stuff to it. It's really hard to take a side without going, well, I probably have very little of the story, the real story, you know? 
Yes, I, I agree with you. I do want to give him a little bit of credit for saying that at the beginning of the movie because there's so many movies that are like based on a true story, inspired by real events, right? And then the movie just goes and we're left to just believe that this is how it happened. So I do appreciate that they at least tried to call out that this is not a one-to-one recreation. Sure. For what it's worth. I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so then the movie opens with a secret mall meetup with like a couple of kind of assumed to be reporters or news people sitting there talking about what they're doing and uh, watching all these people at the mall thinking this person could be the person that contacted them. And uh, eventually a person walks up flipping a Rubik's cube in his hand, which is, is a big point in the movie. Um and they were told to watch for somebody with a Rubik's Cube in their hands. So then he leads them to some hotel somewhere. Uh, and the movie kind of, at, once they get to that point, uh, it kind of flips between like a modern what's happening in this hotel room. And then as he's recounting events, um, you know, flashbacks throughout the years of time, the important things in his life happened. Right. So the that time period is pre- quote present day which yeah. is 2013 with the news reporters but it flashes all the way back to as early as i believe it was 2003 is when we when first, first joined the military yeah yeah so it's a 10 year we're following him over the course of a decade um, so there's a lot of ground to cover for sure yeah and then my next note is weird joseph joseph gordon levitt voice yeah yeah he puts on a different kind of inf- inflection and, and tone in his voice throughout the entire film yeah, and it's fine. I I think it it was weird for like the first ten or fifteen minutes of the movie, and then after that, I was just fine with it. it but it did. If you've watched him in a lot of stuff, it, it did definitely stand out early mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, but like once you hear what Snowden actually sounds like in real life, it also he did a pretty good job. All things yeah. aside, like that in particular, I thought he did well. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my next note is voiceover. Sadly, it wasn't a Nick Cage voiceover because that would have been a, a square on our bingo card, but bum, our Cage O card. But um, yeah, we get a we get a Joseph Gordon Levitt Snowden voiceover of mm-hmm. uh, like his early military time, um, and we find out that uh, yeah, he's been he's a small guy, like you know, light and thin and short, so he is carrying this. 50 pound rucksack all the time and doing all these workouts with his platoon and everything. And he gets up one morning, you know, they you've seen military movies where they do like this vicious wake up call at like four in the morning and everybody shoots up out of bed. Well, he shoots up out of bed and breaks both his legs. Um, Well, according to the doctor that he sees, they've already been, they were already broken uh, like hairline fractures or something like that. And that he just finished them off when he jumped. And like you know, up until this point, we're watching him like doing some of the train, the basic training stuff, right? And he's he's not failing, but he's also not like excelling either, right? right. You know. Um, and then yeah, man, that fall, I felt that. Oh man, I will say yeah. that. Yeah, that made me kind of cringe a bit. That when he falls and breaks his legs, yeah, yeah. that got me. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, but uh, yeah, it was it was a weird scene, and he's like trying to hide the pain so that he doesn't, you mm-hmm. know. And then he just everybody leaves without him. And uh, so then they realize he's gone. And so they start screaming for him and yelling for him, drill sergeant voicing him. And uh, yeah, so then he's medically discharged from the military. um, And he goes for a job interview with the CIA. And he gets the job. It's like it shows several interview process where he's talking about where he doesn't have a high school diploma. Um, but you know, he talks about all his qualifications and he convinces them that he's the right person for this position. Um, and he gets hired. Yeah. You know, like he's not your typical applicant. Right. Right. And that's, that's a main thread through the early parts of, of this timeline, the 2003 to you know 2007 timeline is very much about how he's not typical, right? He doesn't fit the mold of the CIA you know, agents and things of that nature. Right. But he kind of gets taken under the wing of this guy, Corbin O'Brien, because now it's, we're fighting in cyberspace, 
right? That's kind of like the big shift here, right? Is that you know the attacks that that we're talking about in this film are are coming from the web, they're internet hacks, right? These are people who are hacking into defense systems, banking systems, all that kind of kind of stuff, right? Um, individuals, other militaries um and so now we need those types of people you know who can hack back essentially <laughs> right yeah reverse cyber attackers white hat hackers or whatever you want to call them right um, yes. so on his way to his first class it, it kind of shows it kind of shows like how the how intense the security is like he drives up in his car and they um make him put his hands through the steering wheel and a dog yeah. sniffs around and let, they let the dog jumps in the trunk and that uh, seemed like a lot that seemed like a little bit of overkill given that he was invited well they probably i would assume do that for everybody but, yeah you know. but like it's just a training facility it's not the actual cia either i'm so sure they have access to stuff that's important but who knows it seemed like a lot hey i do have a question though did that place seem familiar to you no okay it looked a lot like uh i believe it was dying of the light where he was like giving like a speech to new recruits or whatever in the cia and i could have sworn it was the same location yeah i don't know maybe so could be. okay um so on his way to his first class or first you know bit of training whatever he runs into nick cage's character um, who was a government employee, so that was a checkbox on the bingo card. Bing. Um, so but yeah, he's the guy that specializes in like uh what I don't know what cryptology. you call it. Crypto yeah, I was gonna say cryptology, but then I was like crypto sounds like cryptocurrency, but yeah, like uh you know, different if you don't know what cryptology is, it's like when you're encrypting you know messages and things like that, different ways of sending secret messages uh that are you know you have ways of deciphering them things like that yeah or breaking other people's codes and figuring yes, out what they're saying yeah exactly and that's what he specializes in and this uh that's his that's his job and he's wearing a sweater vest that was my next note sweater vest we don't see a lot of sweater vests nick cages in these no, movies so we don't. that was a real pleasant experience well this was student advisor nicholas cage is really <laughs> The sweater vest see. really sells the student advisor. Yeah, so that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this uh, Edward Snowden character uh, goes in there and starts having a conversation with him. He can like identify a bunch of the different things that he has in his office, different uh, devices for breaking codes or uh, yeah. deciphering codes. It's basically a museum for that technology, for lack of it. Like, it's just an archive of every cryptological piece of machinery that's ever existed it's got you know like the world's first supercomputers sitting in the back of the room for some reason over there and you know not in the smithsonian where it would probably be i would think but. i would rather he went to a place that's cryptozoological or other <laughs> so that we could have seen the chupacabra yeah 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 the mothman anyway um so then we get a scene of like super dramatic programming <laughs> we're like uh they're like okay we need you to build a database then destroy it then recover it and if it takes you more than eight hours you're out of the class and of course <laughs> the smartest man in the world edward snowden gets it done in 30 minutes 38 38 minutes yeah which he specifies because <laughs> the instructor says 41 minutes and he's like no 38 and uh yeah it, it is hard making a hacker movie Right. Yeah. Because it's just not that exciting watching a dude clicking a keyboard. Right. And it's just like a lot of zoomed in shots of keyboards and like just really dramatic shots. Well, because like you can't where... even show like the whole screen, right? Because they're not going to put real like hacking code up there for the, the CIA or anything like that. Right. So it's got to be just kind of nonsense BS terminal command stuff right and so right. you know they can't even show it all they're doing swooping shots around people with this like intense with the people music. are like wiping sweats off their, <laughs> sweat off their foreheads because there's you know yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> and this is where the movie started for me to cross into more of like a masturbatory like thing for snowden like you know i didn't know for sure that he was involved in the movie later on it's kind of confirmed that the actual person was but if a lot of this stuff it, that with the whole dram dramatization thing at the very beginning made it feel like it was like 
for a lot of self-flagellation. You know what I mean? Like, I got this done in 38 minutes. I'm the smartest man in the world. Like, and then there's one point in the movie where somebody he walks into a room and he's like, this is the smartest man in the CIA right here on your doorstep. And it's just a lot of that. I did not like that at all. There will be several moments where I reference that. Um, yeah, so but... Oliver Stone met with Snowden before he wrote the movie and made the movie as well as after and even showed snowden a rough cut of the film and kind of skipping to the end snowden himself there's documentary footage of him at the end of this movie so this certainly was not made in a vacuum snowden had some input what that level of input was i don't know but it's a fair well, i can't imagine he was upset with right. being called the smartest person in the entire universe like four times in the movie i mean look whether or not anyone agrees or disagrees with what snowden did this movie does portray him in a very positive light yeah regardless of your own our own feelings about what he did it doesn't really matter the movie portrays him in he's the hero of this film he's the protagonist he is the hero he's got a journey that he goes on uh that's very maybe linear is not fair but a very clear journey sure and we can't really talk about this movie without getting into some political stuff yeah um so be prepared for that i'm sure we'll get into it here shortly but um yeah my next note is a photo shoot date so he has it's been a couple times at this point where he uh is talking to some woman on a dating site and she says something about him being pale. Are you this pale in real life or something like that? And that's referenced several times in the movie. But um, he meets up with her for a date. And uh, apparently, th- oh, my God, if I showed up to a date and this is what the way the woman acted, I would be out so fast. She just wanted to take pictures of him constantly. Their whole relationship is especially early on is very strange to me because like that's supposed to be the first time they met. Yeah, but they're not acting like it's the first time they've met. And she's got like this DSLR, like well, maybe not DSLR, but she's got some sort of like actual like photography camera that she. Brought she's to a the photographer. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly like somebody that takes this very seriously, and she keeps telling him to like do these poses and like ask what he thinks about things so that he'll move his face in a certain way. And she can get pictures, and it's just constantly, constantly taking pictures. And he references several times he doesn't want his picture taken, really, like or like he's not comfortable in front of camera super comfortable at this point he's more comfortable than he is later in the movie yeah at this point you just feel like he's bashful right right he's kind of shy you know whereas later there's a very good specific reason he has that aversion sure yeah yeah uh, next on that with on that on that same date subject uh they get into the political talk they're in washington dc uh i think they're washington, yes DC, if i remember right yeah, yes. they're from like the white house and stuff Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they start talking about, there's some like protesters that come up with like a, uh, thing to sign a uh, petition. Yeah. A petition. Yeah. That's the word. Um, and yeah, like she's willing to sign it immediately. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he starts talking about like the liberals and stuff like that. So at this point, it seems like he's very clearly uh Republican supporting person. Yeah, so they they paint these two. So Lindsay Mills is the is the girlfriend. She's played by Shalene Woodley. Um, And yeah, they're both painted at this point as the very kind of cliche red and blue person. Yes. Right. Um, He is the conservative patriot. She is the bleeding heart liberal. They have the talking points that are both very cliche that you could grab from really any yeah major news outlet especially at that particular time period uh because this is i think they've jumped at this point i think it's like 2005 or 2006 ish i think at this particular point so it's a couple of years later george w bush is is in office at this point Uh, i think he's in his second term at this at that time that this is happening yeah yeah um but aside from the the republican democrat talk but he uh you should never talk about politics on the first date (laughs) <laughs> in my experience I, politics I, I, are one of those things that uh will you know destroy a relationship before there is any relationship and maybe for good maybe for better maybe for worse you know yeah i think it depends on the person right yeah um, i mean some people are so into politics that you know one different belief and they're done and they're not interested anymore and you know some people are a little more open-minded than that still i not recommended take it from me 
you know, if you're going on a first date <laughs> with somebody. Not that I have experience with that particular thing, but uh, it's something I was always told. Don't don't talk about politics on the first date. Don't talk about politics or religion. There's like a bunch of rules for it, but do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm just saying <laughs> it's probably best practice to like have a date where you're talking about things other than politics and then bring that up on the second or third date. But So you, you heard it here. Uh, everyone reach out to Ryan. Let him know your favorite first date topics. There you and go. He Boom. will grade those topics. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Send them to Coming of Cage on Facebook. <laughs> I, I see, I see everything that comes through there. So, um, and then my next note is uh, Nick Cage wears glasses in old photo, which is uh, oh right, Cage bingo. They show an old photo of him like when he was in Snowden's position, like just coming into the training, and he has glasses on, and he looked so. It reminded me of how he looked in uh, Racing with the Moon. Yeah, it was it was definitely like a younger cage. Yeah. Uh he also smokes, which we've talked about adding to the bingo card, but we have not yet. Um uh, it, yeah. it'll be an it'll be an alternate one of these times we'll add it in there. But um yeah, he definitely smokes pretty heavily in this movie. Um and him and uh, Snowden in the movie are mostly just like I Nick Nick doesn't have a really important role in this. It's more just to kind of start to open Snowden's eyes that the things that he believes that are happening in the government are not happening the way he thinks they are. And to start to getting him to disillusion with the government a little bit, you know, just cracks in that shell. A I, bit. I feel like some scenes were cut specifically for Nick because he's really only in, I think three, maybe four scenes. And the very last one he's in is, where it's placed, what he says, its purpose in the film, to me felt like there were pieces missing that led up to it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But just basing what we got off of it, yeah, I think that that was really the only kind of role that he played was to kind of introduce that things might not be as they seem in the government, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a theme throughout the whole movie. You know, he's slowly learning all the terrible things that the government does. Uh, and then le- eventually releasing that information. Uh, but yeah, then we get to meet Timothy Oliphant in Switzerland, which he's great. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, not, not necessarily like a great person in this movie, but uh, he is. A, I love Timothy Oliphant. So Oliphant, however you say his name, I'm not I sure. I thought it was like, like font, Elephant. Could be, but he's great regardless of how you pronounce his last name. I I, I love him and uh, almost everything he's he does. So I'm a big fan. It was nice to see him. It was, yeah, yeah. He's you know, it's funny is like if you look on IMDb, he's all the way at the bottom. But I'm pretty sure he had more scenes than Nick Cage. He certainly had more screen time than Nick Cage. Yeah, I think he may have been like in the exact same number of scenes. They were just larger, kind of more impactful, right? Scenes. So uh, he's kind of a, he's supervising, basically after the training, Snowden gets sent to Switzerland to do some CIA business there. And uh, Mr. Timothy's character is is a CIA agent, CIA agent that's kind of in charge of whatever this op is that he's on. And he knows that Snowden wants to like do field work. And so his he's trying to get Snowden into field work, but before that, he's has Snowden do some stuff um, that involve has him go get try and get some information on some people. And to do so, there's another contractor from the NSA that comes in, who's your very typical like hacker guy, like you know, kind of he he does everything but like smoke weed, right there. Uh, Just like he calls him Snow White. And uh, he calls Snowden Snow White. And uh, just... I felt like his character in Sweden is completely different than his character that we see later in Hawaii. I agree. Yeah. But it's been years. So at that point, well, so I mean, it's maybe a, maybe a year. Like, is it's not. Is it that big of a jump? Yeah, it is. Maybe, maybe it is. It could be because 2013 is when he releases everything and he's working at that place when that happens. So. We haven't gotten that far in the notes yet, but yeah, I think it's a bigger jump than that. But um, yeah, this guy shows up and he's like, you know, Snowden's like, I don't have clearance to watch you do this. And he's like, well, you got this clearance, don't you? Just, you know, just watch me do it. And so 
he at this point finds out that the government has access to uh, anybody's webcam, anybody's personal SMS text messages, emails, um, all these different things. And so he's trying to find information on this person and all this hacker, all this hacker guy, legal hacker, I guess, I don't know, the NSA person, all he has to do is like type in some keywords, like a Google search. He even says that, I think he says, like, think of a Google search, but mm-hmm. with people's personal information and he can, he it's uh, it's federated searching is right. is like this is early federated searching that's like a more normal thing now but yeah that's what this is right and at one point he finds some woman and he uh opens her webcam on her laptop and he's like watching her get undressed and you know at this so at this point we learn that that the government has access to all these different cameras you know at that and point Snowden's maybe, getting more and more uncomfortable as the guy goes on looking for stuff right right yeah um, it's it's not it's not a good situation it's a very tense awkward scene um you know that depending on your feelings on the situation uh you you might have certain emotions about right. learning or seeing those things in action Right. And so I guess I should mention before this that uh, Timothy Elephant's character uh, has him do like at his first field work test or whatever, where he has him go try and schmooze like some bankers that are like like Middle Eastern bankers to try mm-hmm. and like because uh, they're all connected to Al Qaeda or something like that, because a lot of this is based around like there's a lot of mentions of 9-11. Right. And, you know, taking out Bin Laden and things like that. Um, and so they're trying to find information on somebody that they can link to terrorist organizations. And so he has no luck. But his girlfriend, who is still dating, uh, has is much better at dealing with people. So she says, I'll help you. And so she finds this banker and introduces him. And so that's who they're looking up information on. They're looking at, they're like looking at his sister-in-law or something on dressing is the one they're looking at. And he finds like some connection to his, that his daughter's seeing a boy that is uh, an illegal in the country. Um, and so Snowden gives that information to Timothy Olyphant's character and the next scene after all this, we get a, we see them all in a strip club. The banker guy, uh, Snowden, and Timothy Oliphant's character. And uh, we find out that since Snowden gave that information, that the young man has now been deported and the daughter is super depressed. She tried um, She tried to commit suicide. Yeah, tried to kill herself. Um, and so uh they're trying snowden doesn't know what's going on at this point really like he's just finding this all out but it's clear that the cia agent uh timothy oliphant plays is trying to get him drunk he just keeps feeding him drinks and just keeping him talking and at the end of the night he tries to get him to drive drunk so that uh they can call the police and then get the guy locked up or or and use that as pressure Mm-hmm. um to get him to give up some like contacts um yeah it's it's really it's it's bad it's it's bad stuff it's all very unethical it's it's coercion and extortion and um yeah entrapment and some other things um, but all within the le- legal confines of the united states you know yes yeah, well legal and ethical are not always the same thing it's true. Um, and at one point, Snowden says, well, I'll tell the banker what you're doing. And he says, well, if you do that, then you'll go to jail for longer than the banker would. Yeah, because basically Snowden threatens to blow uh, Oliphant's character's cover. His, 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 uh, he's undercover. And, you know, obviously, like that would come with very serious charges if an agent were to do that. Uh, even if they were to do it accidentally, I'm sure there would be right. significant consequences. So doing it on purpose would be a big deal. But we can start to see that Snowden has certain lines, right? Uh, he, you know, when we first see him at the beginning of the movie, it's like, I'll do anything for my country. I, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve my country. And now we're seeing that, well, he does have certain lines that maybe he didn't know he had that he's discovering at right. this point. Yeah. Um, so throughout this movie, the, the, with his girlfriend, he's not telling her anything ever. Right. She, on that first date kind of figures out that he's CIA or some sort of thing. Cause she says she has had friends that 
said they were government contractors or something like that. And well, he know, says that he works at the State Department. And she goes, State oh, Department. okay, uh, point to the State Department. And of course, he has no idea where the State Department is. And I mean, this is just a tip for all of the uh, three named organization agents who are listening to our show. If you're going to give your people like a cover story, maybe make them learn the locations of right. the things. <laughs> yeah, she. but she even if he had been able to point to it, it seems like she would have known because she has said she's known people that have said the same thing and worse and oh and because he lives in uh a specific state that's notoriously you know full of government workers like that that's where their headquarters is at um but yeah so then we get a really awkward scene where he's trying to have sex with his girlfriend and he realizes that there's a webcam up like a, a laptop is up uh, mm-hmm. with the webcam pointed towards the bed and now i mean it's not there's nothing saying that they're recording at that point but in his mind you know he just watched this woman like getting undressed in front of her camera without her knowledge he's starting to go you know think about that right and so then the well because like it's also important context so, like that there weren't any warrants that needed to be you know signed by judges they didn't have to get approval from anybody to do this they just had to like access this webcam and the right. guy that we saw do it he's, he's acting kind of sleazy right like if snowden doesn't say anything he's going to keep watching that webcam video right so it is plausible that people just are doing that it's also plausible that because he's a government agent that there's somebody checking in on him from time to time you know true um especially after what just happened with him threatening to like break the undercover mission and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's kind of an awkward sex scene. I almost put off because we have on our bingo card nudity, um, but it wasn't really nudity. Really, you just see kind of her back for most of it. But there is nudity later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. At this point, we didn't cross off the nudity part of the card. Um, so then after that, uh, I don't even know how long after, but he goes to Japan. Basically, like he's now. Is this when he's an NSA? Well, so he resigns at this point. Right. Like that that night, he he resigned, um, and so that's you know, part of his mental state. But yeah, so then he starts doing contract work, and he does contract work for the NSA. He does it for the CIA. He does it for different government organizations for uh, several years. Right, and yeah, he says that he's basically just like a, a hawking, you know, software. He's just right. a fancy software salesman. Um, but I, my next note is sleeper po- programs in all countries. Cause I guess there's something as an NSA contractor, he's been able to find out that they have, you know, uh, they have been injecting programs into all the different major utility companies for, uh, all these different countries. So that if the government was to have an issue with these countries or there is something going on, then they could literally shut down their entire infrastructure through these, like, you know, virus essentially a virus a i mean government it's, mandated virus or it's even worse than utilities like they mentioned hospitals like they 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 put these programs into hospital systems yeah you know and and we're talking about like in this case japan uh they mentioned austria um they mentioned a, 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 allies countries that are allies to the united states and the, the the thought process that we're told is that well if that ever changes and they decide not to be allies anymore then you know we'll make them sorry really fast is essentially the line um, right and what snowden's you know this really kind of shocks snowden because i think yeah, like like many people, it's probably assumed that we do this to countries that we see as a legitimate threat or as an enemy. Um, and, you know, that that in itself may have some ethical issues. But once you start seeing it in countries who are our allies and some of them are our close closest allies, you start to kind of raise other questions. Right. Um, so then we get our nudity scene. Apparently, in. Uh... <laughs> In I love Japan, the way you said that. In Japan, uh, his his girlfriend uh, is struggling. Um, she's she's not enjoying Japan. Um, it seems like she didn't really come because she wanted to, uh, and so she is taking like nude portraits of herself. I think it's of herself. So she um, is. I think she was doing this before though, because when he 
the night he resigns and he comes into the the room, there are photos on the floor of her. Um, and it's kind of quick, so you don't get a great look at it. So I think she's been doing this for a while, though. Yeah, at this point, you see her like on the computer editing him, and they yeah. talk editing them, and they talk about what what they are. So it's more mm-hmm. obvious what they are. Um, and then they have a fight, a pretty big fight. Um, you know, I, I can't remember if this is right at this moment, but they she notices that he put band aids over the cameras on the laptops and stuff and uh so she asks why he's doing this and and he like doesn't come out and say it but she can kind of figure out what's going on and she says well that's fine because i don't have anything to hide Mm -hmm. and he comes out and says like well what about you uh talking to guys on this dating website in japan and and uh she's like well i'm just talking to him you're gone for all this all the time i'm just having making conversation um and he said he she left her laptop open and he saw this and she's like oh now you're spying on me and you know well so and it's it's the original it's the same site that the two of them met on i think that's what really got his attention right and you know she's claiming that it's more of like um oh well, I'm drawing a blank on the term for it, though, where uh, you know, vica- she's vicariously kind of living through these other people because she feels so isolated and alone. She points out that, like, she doesn't have a work visa. She she even told him that she wouldn't be able to get one if they were to come here. So she can't really have a job. She doesn't know anybody. Um, so she's like you said earlier, she's struggling. Yeah. And so she ends up moving back to Maryland. They break up. That's where it was. Yeah, they break yeah. up. Yeah, her parents' house. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he finishes out his tour in Japan or whatever, I guess, and decides to move back to Maryland. Is that, am I getting that right? More or less. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that he necessarily moved to Maryland specifically. It's a little, un- uh, that's not. He moved back to that area. He went back to the States. Yeah. And so he goes on a hunting trip with his former professor, Corbin. Corbin. Yeah um and because they've been kind of they've had kind of a relationship through this whole thing he's kept looking out for him and following his progress and stuff like that and so they go hunting and uh snowden kind of reveals that he knows that they're monitoring you know like normal people's cell phones and stuff like that um and this whole hunting trip was basically to introduce him to this other the deputy director of the nsa wasn't it uh, yes. Yes, it was. But I guess we did skip over one piece that is important. When he was doing his contract work in Japan, he built a program system that was designed to be like a fail-safe backup. If a, a city or a location, a fort, whatever was completely obliterated, you would have saved all of the data and could restore it extremely quickly somewhere else. Um I'm drawing a blank on what it was called. It was like black yeah, something. I um, but but yeah, so that, that's an important thing to keep in mind that he built this himself from scratch and it was a very big deal and worked extremely well. Yeah, and now they're using it as like a primary program to do things that it wasn't necessarily meant to be doing. Um, and that program basically got him in the door with the deputy director of the NSA who wants him to go work for them. Um, and around this time, him and the girlfriend get together again. Uh-huh. Um, they start dating again. And I had uh, on my in my notes irony of dating a photographer as a camera phobe because at this point <laughs> he like doesn't want to be photographed at yeah. all. She's like begging to take pictures of him. Uh, but it seems like they're doing better. They have a house together. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, he's cooking for her and has a seizure. Um, yes, and that is like a big thing and the, he goes to the doctor or the hospital or whatever and they tell him you need to be on these meds um or else you could you know have a seizure while driving or something like that and put other people's lives in danger um and so he says sure fine whatever uh and then they go to hawaii that's where his well so there's a little bit of a jump there so what's important to point out is that they go they he gets the job offer in Hawaii, but she From doesn't say, yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't want to go. Right. They just got back together. They just rebuilt their life. She's happy. Right. Like she's not ready to like uproot all of that. 
but these seizures are kind of a big deal, right? And they appear to be genetic. He makes some comment about, I believe it was his mother took the same medication. That's why he was hesitant. And so she suggests that maybe Hawaii would be a less stressful environment and help with the seizures. Now, look, yes, I believe that Hawaii as a geographic spot is less stressful than Washington, D.C. However, he's still doing the same kind of work. It's never at any point implied that he would be doing a different, completely kind of work. So I don't know what made her think that that would be different. Right. But because of that, they decided to go to Hawaii because they think that it'll be less stressful and good for his health. Yeah. Or at least that's how maybe he gaslights her into thinking that. I don't know. But it's somehow she comes to that conclusion and says, I'll go with you if that's going to help. Um, and so he gets to Hawaii and like his introduction to his new job is watching a bunch of people get murdered via drone bombings of some kind. I think they're drone bombings. I don't know. There's some kind of bombings. They, they are a live cam of people getting blown up. Yeah, literally, like, so these are the the data guys, right? And they feed this data to, like, the people piloting the drones, and then they, you know, bomb the places. Um, and what they're doing is they're specifically tracking SIM cards and phones, and it's brought up. It's like, well, how do you know the target is in possession of the phone at the time? You know, like, yeah. well, we've got people on the ground feeding intelligence or whatever. Like, you're like... Okay. But there's another guy in the room, another employee that when he says that, he looks at uh, Snowden and he's he's like shaking his head. No, this is not how we don't have that. We're just murdering people. Yeah. Um, and, and even then, like, even if that was true, once you see the attacks take place, like more than one person is getting hit. Yeah, they're big. These are know, like little missiles, missiles, you know, yeah. so like they're blowing up entire vehicles. There's dust clouds like you're getting a handful of people every single time you do this. Right. Um, yeah. And so he's working there for a while. Um, I don't really remember. Oh, he runs into the hacker guy again. Um, Cause he works here also. Uh, but yes, he does seem like a much different character at this point. So clearly something has happened. Uh, uh, maybe he grew up. I don't know. It's been a few mature. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I you correct me if something is as important as happened, but I feel like I just skipped huge portions of this movie because, uh, like in my notes, because nothing really important happened. A lot of stuff just was happening in the movie, and it didn't really end up being important. But uh, he uh, goes to a party, like an after-hours party, with a bunch of people from his like work unit, and he has a seizure there after an argument with about like government regulations on the way that things are handled in there with a supervisor. Well, so this is directly after there's one scene before this, that that's a kind of a big deal. So he's, he's come up with an idea for a new program that is basically a new version of federated searching. Um, and heartbeat. yeah, heartbeat. And he's, you know, playing off some things because they don't know he knows about this other one and, and other stuff. But he he really has a secondary motive of wanting the data kind of coordinated and consolidated so he can make some educated decisions. And this pulls together this heat map that he shows three of the other guys, right? So there's there's different areas, and you know, two guys are working in one area, which is like offensive, and he's working with this one other guy in like a defensive, and they're not supposed to cross the streams. Right. But in this case, he's got these three guys and he's showing them. And basically what what this heat map is showing is emails that have been analyzed by, in this case, the the NSA. And you're seeing that, you know, it's it's millions, millions upon millions, hundreds of millions. And it shows that the U.S. has had basically twice as many. It was like over three billion emails processed through this program. Um more than double any other country on the planet including russia including russia yeah um russia was like the next biggest at like 1.2 billion or something um and so it's kind of like that's like this big moment right where they're showing that like this is not just being used against foreign interests or external threats this is being used 
you know, for just everyday Americans basically combing every email, right? And those who remember the actual events, right? This came out about, you know, they're coming through Verizon and Google and Apple and Microsoft, like all the heavy hitters. Yeah, Facebook, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, th- then they have this party. Yeah, they have this party and he gets into a little bit, not really an argument, more like his boss says something and then Snowden corrects him because this he's a, the smartest person in the world. Well, he makes it's, it's a very so uh, this is an, a complicated argument because I don't disagree with the general logic and the premise. Right. But anytime you need to use World War Two Nazis and or Hitler as your analog, as your analogy, um, it just doesn't always come off particularly well because it's kind of like a slam dunk example that to shut people up in a lot of cases. And so what happens here is his boss um, basically says that, you know, well, we're just working for the government, you yep. know, right? So, you know, we're not we're not doing anything criminal. We're doing what the government's telling us to do. And Ed, Edward makes the comment about about how well they started prosecuting Nazis who were just the regular workers following orders. He uses the phrase, you know, follow, just following orders and things like that. It's a good, heavy argument, but it always feels a little weird to me when those parallels are drawn. Um, but yeah, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And immediately after this, he has a seizure again. Um, and you find out that he's off his meds. Uh, because he tells his girlfriend that he needs to be sharp because people's lives are at stake and uh she is like it more so than other people and he's like yes I'm, I'm more responsible for people's lives than other people um and this is kind of this is kind of the wind down of the movie uh where you know all the reveals are happening and you find out that uh at some point he ha- he has a meeting with uh his old instructor again Corbin, and yeah. he we find out that he looked up his girlfriend on that site on that thing that, well she's been bugged essentially they've well, been no, he looked her up he uh, uh, that he admits that yeah and he does find out that she's been bugged but they because he has he asked the instructor oh, guy, asked, have you accessed any other programs and, and he says that he did, and and it's implied that he looked up his girlfriend. He even that says program. that he was jealous because uh, yeah. during the party before he has the seizure, he sees her possibly flirting with this other guy. We can't hear anything that's being said. They're just having a good time. But we're supposed to interpret it as she's interested in this guy. Right. And he's right? jealous. That's his lens. Yeah. And so uh, after that meeting, he's basically deciding that he's going to do this. He's going to, you know leak all this stuff as much as he can and so he goes and talks to his girlfriend and says the house is probably bugged um you know this is what we need to do um he she tries to set it up so that they'll both leave at the same time um and she's like no that'll be more suspicious and so they work it out um and he ends up doing his mission to get all this data and so he Okay, so it's it's shown before that, like, he gets a pretty big search when he goes in, right? They are looking for SD cards and things like that. And in this day, when he gets this leaked, or this information to leak, um, he has the SD card hidden in a Rubik's Cube. However, it doesn't show how he gets the Rubik's Cube in. And when when it's on the way out, he tosses it to one of the guards, so it never actually goes through the scanner. But I'm pretty sure he didn't do that same move going in because then that would have been super obvious. So there's a couple of things here. First, it's important to preface with this part is not what actually happens in the real world. Snowden never told anyone how he got the data out, number one. Number two, he did not do it in one large dump on at one time he did it over multiple occasions yeah so this is where the movie specifically took some liberties um to make it a tighter story and you know things like that now i have two other things i have two problems with this one yeah how did he get it through security the first time 
You're right. right. It's completely glossed over. It is not shown in any way at all. That is problem number one. Problem number two, that SD card should not function in that laptop. And what I mean by that is in the in today's world, regular IT departments can shut down that type of functionality from even right. just flash USB flash drives, uh, you know, SD cards, all of that can just on a normal Dell laptop, a regular IT team using consumer grade software can shut that stuff down. You're telling me that the NSA just allowed that functionality to work? Not only that, but uh, they probably could flag it anytime any kind of external storage is plugged into, you know, any uh, any USB or or any kind of port. Also, that just the idea of copying large right. sums He's of files really just and copying data. and pasting like it's File Explorer. On yeah, the, and like there's know. there's no security around this at all. Yeah, I just find that I find that deeply unlikely. Number one. Agreed. Number two, like none of these screens are being recorded anywhere and stored anywhere for what these actions are for auditing purposes. Like I just, there's so many holes in that. Like I get that that's not what really happened in the real world. So it definitely comes off like a very Hollywood plot. Yeah. So basically he gets the SD card and he sticks it into like the, the keyboard or some, some port and uh, that's connected to the computer and he downloads the copies of files. And of course it has the dramatic, like it's going up in percent while people are around and like, right when it's at hundred percent, he hits the <laughs> thing and it pops out shoots out on the carpet, right. As people are walking in and his friend that he works with covered it with his foot so that he wouldn't get caught. And uh, yeah, so then he decides to leave because he's not feeling well. He now has this excuse for the you know seizures that mm-hmm. he can step away for a few days if he needs to. So he slips the SD card into the into the Rubik's cube, uh, slides the red you know cover over it, and goes to walk out. And as he's getting ready to go through the scanner, he he throws the cube to the security guard. He's like, "You ever played with one of these?" And then he goes through the scanner, and then the security guard just hands it to him around the other side um yeah and the whole time you're like is he gonna get caught is it gonna open up you know one guy tries to kind of like take the rubik's cube apart because there's always like that one person who doesn't understand even like how a rubik's cube moves like, right. i get it i get it if you can't solve it right but it's another thing to think well i could just tear it apart into pieces <laughs> there's always right. that person oh god so, so yeah that's basically uh the cut to the modern times again or well, present we're caught day up or to present day yeah. yeah and so yeah we are in the hotel room and the rest of the movie is basically just like i don't know this is where it kind of gets weird it's just like a bunch of journalists discussing the best way to release this um it's not the most exciting thing to watch no no but, but again uh, like they're dealing with the dilemma of you know ethical or legal and you know is this legit yeah. and you know all these other things and yeah it's not the most exciting thing but you, you do have some good actors in here that are doing sure. i think the best they can with the situation yeah you know um so yeah you know the next the rest of the movie is basically like him out running the government um going to like different safe house areas or something like that and you know yeah, and then there's some you know interviews that he does and in one of them it's like a panning shot with like him going to joseph gordon levitt's face and then there's like a beam and it, on the other side of the beam it's the actual snowden character yeah know? and this is where i started to really get like the masturbatory kind of uh feeling about the movie where it's just like him stroking his ego um, right right you know if this had been made without any of Snowden's input, I might feel a little different because, but at this point it's confirmed that Snowden definitely was a part of the production at some point. And that's when it was like, okay, this guy's just like, you know, trying to make himself out to be this hero. You know, we don't know. We're getting one side of the story that's made to look super heroic and the other side is left out of the movie. If there is one, I'm not familiar enough with it to know, but I'm sure there's things that were left out that would make him look like maybe not as much of a hero um but yeah that's basically how it ends he's giving a speech we do get this one scene though what nicholas cage's final scene oh yeah that's true he's sitting in i guess his living room you can kind of see his his supposed wife um off to the side and he's watching the news after this all breaks right because they do decide to release all of this and it all breaks it's like you know he's sitting there he's like he he did it i can't believe it he did it it yeah the kid right and i'm like did you guys have conversations 
about this. Like, I felt like there was a chunk missing. You're probably right. Where he but like helped lead this kid to to this. He path, probably had a contract you know? with how many scenes they have to show him in, and so that's why they just kind of threw this one in there. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, that's pretty much how the movie ends. He supposedly so he did this movie as a favor to Oliver Stone after he did the uh, the Twin Towers movie. Um, which was another Oliver Stone flick about that one specifically about 9-11. So he did this as a favor, but just, yeah, I just felt this is just kind of like where it ends, right? You get some documentary style footage of Snowden himself, you know, um, you get some archival footage of different political leaders and their takes on it. And yeah, throughout the credits, it's kind of just like filtered in with the real life things that happened afterwards. You know, you've got, well, things start to get a little bit better, right? Obama cancels this. He puts this into law, right? Maybe some things get worse again. Like, is anything really changing? And so the movie kind of leaves you with this concept of like, well, did this did this really change anything? Is the world a better place? Is the country a better place? Is it a worse place? Um, and then meanwhile, Snowden, he's basically stuck in Moscow in Russia um, when he tries to leave Japan to get to, I believe it was Ecuador. He has a layover in Moscow. And b- during that time, the U.S. like, you know, revokes his passport like like you do. I don't know why they didn't do that before he left Japan, uh, but they did. And he gets stuck in Moscow. Moscow, of course, not necessarily Russia being our best friends in the world, uh, decided to grant him asylum. And so he stays there. Um, the movie doesn't cover this, but in real life, his girlfriend does move to Russia to be with him. Well, and they do bring that up in the movie. Was that brought up in the movie? Yeah, they okay. bring it up in like the credits, I think. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yes, I mean, as as of the movie's release, that's where he still was. Uh, I don't really keep tabs on him, but yeah, that's it. He's, he, he was stuck in Russia after releasing all of this data and it became very public. And you can obviously do a lot of uh, reading on the topics um, from across the world because this impacted other countries as well. A lot of people had opinions about it. Um, but yeah, we're just here to talk about the movie itself. So that's it. we're not going to get into that. But yeah. yeah. Um, so now what? We got to rate this movie? Yeah. So we rate all these movies on two scales, overall quality and overall caginess. Uh, qu- from one to 20, one low, 20 is high. Um, Ryan, quality, overall quality. Where would you rate the Snowden film? It's kind of a tough one because like, it's not a poorly made film and it's got good actors. It just wasn't really good, you know? So yeah. I feel like it's got to be like a 11 or a 12. 11 or a 12. So that puts yeah, it free, free. You? That for you. That puts it on par with City of Angels and 8mm. I mean, I probably enjoyed City of Angels more, but in terms of quality, they're probably pretty similar. Okay, so an eleven for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think that's fair. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna give it the exact same. I'm gonna give it an eleven as well because I gave National Treasure and you gave National Treasure. We each gave it a twelve, and I think National Treasure was better. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put this right below National Treasure. So we have an eleven on quality now overall caginess. I mean, he's got three scenes and there might've been four. They're very straight scenes. He's super mellow. Uh, there's really not a whole lot for him to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the caginess is, is pretty low here. Like, I think it has to be like a one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's literally no caginess in this. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that that's it. So there you go. It's 11, 11 on quality, a one on Cajunist. It's a mediocre, a, a slightly above mediocre film. It's got a good cast. Yeah. Um, you know, if the you subject like these- matter, isn't really that interesting. In my opinion, it's kind of, it's way too long. There's a lot of things that they cover in the movie that don't really need to be a part of the movie. Yeah. But if you really into the Snowden stuff or really into political movies, then I guess this might be a good one for you. And, you know, if you don't want the dramatization about it, you know, there were documentaries made that, um, of course, are not unbiased, but they're at least not Hollywood. They also don't have Nick Cage in them. So That's true. They don't have Nick Cage or probably Timothy Oliphant or Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, or Zachary Quinto. Yeah. You know, so take that with what you will. But uh, yeah, now we got to figure out what movie is going to join our wheel o cage and replace this. 
And that new movie is uh, Christmas Carol, the movie, which uh, it says voice. So I guess that's an animated version of Christmas Carol. So that's going to join our wheel cage to find out what movie we're going to talk about next time on the show. Go to comingofcage.com and watch our latest wheel cage spin to find out which movie comes up on the wheel. But that's going to be it for me, Ryan. Anything else for Snowden? No, I'm good. We covered all of it. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We are the Coming of Cage podcast. You can watch us on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. Let us know. We'll read your review on the show. It helps people find the show. It helps people find us. You can follow us at Coming of Cage uh, or just go to comingofcage.com for all the links. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 